0: section 20 of the mysteries of london volume 3 this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox.org the mysteries of london volume 3 by george w m reynolds chapter 20 happiness the diamond merchant when lord ellingham took his leave of lady hatfield the latter hurried to her bed-chamber and locking the door behind her sat down in an armchair near the fire to ponder unconstrainedly upon the conversation of the previous hour and that hour what changes had it worked in respect to the mind and prospects of this patrician lady oh how generous and noble-hearted is my arthur she mused inwardly how boundless is his love for me but is it possible that i am really to become his wife or am i the sport of a wild and delusive dream no it is all true i am awake i see the various objects around me there is no confusion in my brain yes it is all true and he will marry me he will make me his wife in spite of but let me avoid thinking of the past the future is now bright and glorious before me my own arthur whom i love so fondly and who alone has ever possessed and will possess my heart my own noble generous arthur has surmounted all prejudice flung aside all disgust and has promised to make me happy oh not in the wildest of my dreams could i have imagined so much bliss the clouds which have so long hung heavily around the star of my destiny have been suddenly dispersed by one who views my heart aright who understands me who knows my sad history but recognises my innocence who in a word rises superior to all the prejudices which shackle the world Oh, dearest, dearest Arthur, how can I ever reward you adequately for this generosity on your part? All the love which I bear you, all the adoration I feel for you, all the devotion I shall manifest towards you will not repay the immense debt that I owe you it is true that i possess great wealth that the services of my father to the state induced his majesty to create me a peeress in my own right and that i have some pretensions to beauty all this is true but it is not sufficient to induce my noble-hearted arthur to make me the partner of his bed no for he himself is rich far beyond his desires he also owns a proud and ancient name and england has daughters far lovelier than i but he loves me for myself apart from all selfish considerations and oh what bliss to be thus loved lady hatfield sank her head upon her fair hand and gave way to the new and ineffable bliss which had so suddenly enveloped her in its halo at length another idea struck her but my uncle how could he have known my secret she exclaimed aloud and how did he discover it oh he must have been aware of it from the very first the good the kind-hearted man never to have even appeared to georgiana's reverie was interrupted by a hasty knock at her door she rose unlocked it and gave admission to her friend julia my dear lady hatfield exclaimed miss mordaunt her entire countenance illuminated with joy congratulate me it is all settled that you are to become lady blunt asked georgiana smiling yes my dearest friend lady blunt how well it sounds only think of lady blunt upon a card printed for instance in the old english letter or german text or whatever it is and then lady blunt's carriage and all that sort of thing really i am so happy i don't know whether to dance or sing or both i am delighted to see you so happy my dear julia said lady hatfield and most sincerely do i congratulate you but have you acted prudently to accept sir christopher without communicating his proposal to your relations i think that i am quite old enough to manage my own affairs in this respect at least answered julia laughing and yet after all i am not so very old only just thirty still it is high time to settle oneself in life but for the present my dear lady hatfield i must implore you to keep my engagement a profound secret for reasons which i will explain in a few days i shall keep your secret julia without seeking to learn your motives until you may choose to communicate them replied georgiana and now i am about to surprise you in respect to myself lord ellingham has been here this morning so i heard from old mason just now said miss mordaunt but you knew he would call my dear friend after leaving his card last night and if you speak candidly you will confess that you hoped he would i did hope he would call julia answered georgiana but i could not imagine that our interview would have terminated however she added checking herself and smiling joyously you must now congratulate me for in a few weeks i shall become the countess of ellingham i do indeed congratulate you my dearest lady hatfield replied miss mordaunt but upon my word wonders will never cease here were you only a few days ago rejecting the earl in opposition to everything like common sense and certainly against the wishes of your very best friends let us not talk of the past julia interrupted georgiana the future opens so brightly before me that i am almost dazzled by its brilliancy and i am happy supremely happy oh almost too happy as she uttered these words georgiana threw herself into the armchair which she had quitted for the purpose of giving admission to miss mordaunt and never did the beauty of her soul-speaking countenance shine to greater advantage than at that moment and no wonder that even her friend whose volatile disposition seldom permitted her mind to settle its attention on subjects concerning another was struck by the loveliness of lady hatfield on this occasion no wonder we say that julia gazed with admiration for a long time on that beauteous woman for happiness seemed to have invested her with new charms her cheeks lately so pale with mental anxiety and partial indisposition were now tinged with a warm carnation hue joy flashed from her large liquid eyes usually of so mild though lustrous a languor and smiles played upon those rosy lips which were wont to remain apart with serious expression the earl of ellingham upon taking leave of georgiana that morning but be it well understood with the promise of returning to pass an hour or two in the evening experienced that kind of heartfelt happiness which requires a vent by means of imparting the fact of its existence to a friend to the abode of dr lascelles was the earl accordingly hastening when he was suddenly accosted by a gentleman who addressed him by name and whom in another moment he remembered to be mr gordon the diamond merchant i beg your lordship's pardon for thus stopping you said that individual but i thought you might be gratified to learn that the jewels which i lost so mysteriously have been restored to me indeed exclaimed arthur i am rejoiced to hear these tidings and now i presume you are fully convinced that miss esther de medina was entirely innocent of the theft so ridiculously imputed to her on the contrary my lord answered the diamond merchant i am more than ever certain that Miss misdemeanour was the person who took them mr gordon exclaimed the earl indignantly i should have thought that after the investigation which took place at the office in bow street you would not have clung to an opinion so dishonourable so unjust towards an innocent young lady moreover sir i should have conceived that my testimony to that young lady's character would have dispelled any doubts which had still hung on your mind that your lordship gave such testimony conscientiously i cannot for an instant question was the firm but respectful answer at the same time that your lordship was and is still deceived in that young lady i am confident perhaps sir observed the earl coldly you will have no objection to communicate the reasons which have thus induced you to change your opinion for if i remember rightly you yourself declared in the public office that you were satisfied there was some grievous mistake and that de medina was innocent of the deed imputed to her at first i admit my lord replied the diamond merchant that i was staggered by the singularity of the turn given to the proceedings when your lordship appeared to speak in miss de medina's defence but listen my lord to the subsequent events which revived all my suspicions upon leaving the police-court i returned home but was scarcely able to attend to my business so bewildered was i by the occurrences of the morning and so annoyed was i also at the loss which i had so mysteriously experienced it was probably four o'clock in the afternoon when a lady was announced and the moment she raised her veil i recognised miss de medina you may conceive my lord how surprised i was by this visit but much greater was my astonishment when she said to me without a single word of preface sir what is the value of the diamonds which you have lost six hundred pounds was my answer Mr. Medina immediately drew forth a small packet from her dress, and counted six bank-notes, each of a hundred pounds, and which she placed before me on the table. "'Here is the amount, sir,' she said, and I offered her a receipt, which she, however, declined. For a few moments she lingered, as if anxious to say something more, then, suddenly turning away, she abruptly quitted the house.' extraordinary cried the earl of ellingham and yet one instant my lord interrupted mr gordon the most mysterious part of the whole transaction is yet to be revealed to you not ten minutes had elapsed from the moment of mr medina's departure when a person whom i remembered to have seen in the court was announced i do not know whether your lordship observed at the office a man of florid complexion light curly hair red whiskers and dressed in a sporting suit i not only observed him replied the earl but from the description subsequently given by one of my servants whom i questioned after my return home from the police-office i have every reason to believe that the individual whom you described was the bearer of a letter which had induced me to hasten to bow street to give my testimony in proof of mr medina's innocence and does your lordship know that man inquired the diamond merchant i never saw him to my knowledge until that day when the attention he appeared to devote to the proceedings attracted my notice although he was in the midst of the crowd congregated near the door but please to continue your own narrative this individual my lord of whom we have been speaking returned mr gordon was the person introduced to my office a few minutes after the departure of mr medina he seated himself in a free-and-easy off-hand manner and said i think i can give you some little information concerning the diamonds which you have lost indeed i exclaimed and anxious to hear what he was about to state i said nothing relative to the visit of mr medina and the payment of the amount at which the lost jewels were valued yes he continued and with the utmost coolness he produced a pistol from one pocket and a small parcel wrapped up in brown paper from the other what is the meaning of this strange conduct i demanded glancing towards the weapon which the man held in his hand oh it is soon explained he said this pistol is merely to defend myself in case you should take it into your head to give me into the charge of a constable on suspicion of being connected with the person who stole your property and as for the parcel open it and see what it contains thus speaking he tossed the packet across the table to me crossed his legs and began to hum a tune i opened the parcel and to my surprise perceived the diamonds which i had lost is the set complete asked the man quite perfect i replied in the most unfeigned astonishment at the singularity of the whole proceedings but how does it happen i continued that you have come to restore them to me when a quarter of an hour has scarcely elapsed since miss de medina herself called and paid me six hundred pounds at which they are value it now appeared to be the man's turn to be surprised but in another moment he exclaimed oh i understand it all what do you understand said i for i must candidly confess that i understand nothing of the whole transaction which is one involved in the deepest mystery so let it remain he cried abruptly and now mark me he added in a slower and more impressive tone beware how you ever utter a word derogatory to the honour of esther de medina and he quitted the apartment leaving me in possession of my jewels and of the six hundred pounds also this narrative is so singular mr gordon said the earl of ellingham that were you not a respectable merchant and that you can have no possible interest in amusing me with a fiction i should not believe the portion which relates to Mister medina i declare before my maker ejaculated the diamond merchant solemnly that i have not exaggerated one tittle of my history i have even more to state the restoration of my property convinced me that i had no right to retain the money which mr medina had paid me as a recompense for its loss i therefore determined to give it back to her but i was unacquainted with her residence then i recollected that your lordship had stated that mr de medina had become your tenant for a house and a small estate about seven miles from london i immediately repaired to your lordship's residence in Pall Mall to inquire the address of mr de medina but you were not at home your valet however furnished me with the information i required and on the following morning i proceeded to finchley i called at the house to which i had been directed and learnt that mr de medina and his daughter did not intend to settle there until the spring but from the servant in charge of the premises i ascertained where mr de medina resided in town i accordingly returned to london and forthwith repaired to great ormond street where i obtained an interview with miss de medina her father was out a circumstance which on the occasion appeared to give her pleasure because she asked the servant to announce me whether mr de medina were in his study and on receiving a reply to the effect that he had gone out a few minutes previous to my arrival she was evidently relieved of some anxiety i communicated the nature of my business but when i mentioned the particulars of the visit i had received from the light-haired gentleman her countenance suddenly assumed so singular an expression that i can scarcely define its meaning it was not alarm alone nor surprise nor shame nor sorrow which her looks denoted but a feeling composed of all those sentiments blended together then when i explained to her that this man had restored my lost diamonds her countenance suddenly assumed an expression of joy i handed her the six hundred pounds which she received and then as on the occasion of her visit to me the preceding evening she seemed anxious to make some remark to which she could not however give utterance the silence became awkward and i took my leave your lordship now knows all and can you for one moment imagine that esther de medina was the person who stole your diamonds exclaimed lord ellingham or that she was in any way connected with that man who restored them to you my belief is that she parted with them in some way to that man answered mr gordon and that her father most probably gave her the money to recompense me for my loss but that when she paid it she was unaware that the man had the intention of restoring the jewels lord ellingham made no answer for there suddenly flashed upon his mind a reminiscence which staggered him the reader will recollect that when mr de medina encountered his daughter at the police-court he said to her oh esther esther i can understand it all you have brought this upon yourself these words were overheard at the time by lord ellingham but they had since escaped his memory or else failed to make any very deep impression upon him his own mind since that day having been a prey to much acute anxiety suspense and conflicting feelings on account of lady hatfield but now when he recalled those words and considered them in all their significance when he pondered upon the tale which he had just heard from the lips of the diamond merchant when he remembered that the man who had restored those jewels was doubtless the same who had conveyed to pall mall the letter which so mysteriously urged him to hasten to the police court and give his testimony in esther's defence he began to share mr gordon's belief that there must be some connection between that florid light-haired man and miss de medina at the same time lord ellingham was convinced that esther had not stolen the diamonds or that if she had mr gordon had mistaken the hour of the day if not the day itself on which such theft was committed because arthur remembered beyond all possibility of error that from two o'clock on the afternoon until near eleven o'clock at night on the day specified by the diamond merchant esther was engaged in visiting the house which her father had hired from him lord ellingham and which was situate about a mile beyond finchley arthur himself accompanied mr de medina and esther on that occasion and esther was never absent from his sight save perhaps for a few minutes at a time during the interval above named there was a profound mystery somewhere and though the earl was not characterized by any feeling of impertinent curiosity yet he longed to clear up the doubts and misgivings which had at length arisen in his mind he entertained the greatest respect for mr de medina and until now the same sentiment towards esther whom he had hitherto looked upon as a model of purity amiability and innocence he therefore felt grieved vexed disappointed annoyed for the honour of the human race and especially for the credit of the female sex to think it possible that he had been so grossly deceived in that beautiful jewess he walked slowly along the diamond-merchant by his side well my lord said the latter at length breaking the protracted silence what is your opinion now i confess that i am bewildered was the reply but i shall not judge hastily in the meantime i pray you so far to suspend your opinion upon the subject as to avoid the utterance of aught prejudicial to miss de medina's character and if i succeed in fathoming this mystery the fact of that young lady's guilt or innocence shall be duly communicated to you the diamond merchant bowed respectfully and departed in another direction while lord ellingham continued his way towards grafton street end of section twenty